Greetings, humans. It's been so long since we did a Book Guys show that uh, we actually lost the original intro. Uh, all I have left is the goats intro we did for a while. So we're going to play that. And today we're speaking with Bob Ralver, stunt coordinator, stunt man, director. He's been on Knight Rider, ba- Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek. Uh, just an interesting guy. And we had a blast talking to him for just about an hour. Check it out. Help support our shows over at StarshipAlvays.com. This is the Book Guys Show, Season 8, Episode 2. Today we're joined by Bob Bralver, stunt coordinator, stuntman, director, and many more things that we're going to learn about today. How you doing, Bob? (laughs) Bob's doing good. You forgot the keyboard. The, oh yeah! Nice don't show. forget the keyboard. Musician, <laughs> and of course, uh, as always, uh, Sir Jimmy is with us, and uh, Craig Damlo. We're going to be recording it. Hi, uh, Craig. Hi, doing some video today. Rock and roll. Rock and Bob, roll. I think. Bob. I think. I, we'll, we'll go. Bob. Bob's coming from Hawaii, and I qualify as the closest person to uh, Bob for the first. It's probably the first time I've been the closest to a guest. I'm in Seattle, so right. just over the horizon. And keep going and going and going and going. Stay safe <laughs> in that town, brother. <laughs> so uh, maybe let's let's talk. I just watched uh, rewatched, I should say, one uh, one of the old uh, Night Rider classic episodes today. Maybe we'll start talking about your time on that show. I mean, um, what episode did you watch? I watched the White Line. Uh, White Line Warriors. White Line Warriors. That was, that was the one. Yes, sir. I think that my was the first, first directorial opportunity. Wonderful. Which has a wonderful story behind it, uh, and I'll share it with you. Yes, the great, the great stunt man friend of mine, uh, who used to work on the Dukes of Hazard and was flying cars all over the place. Jack Gill, tremendously successful today, and he's a really good human being to his family. He really has remembered everybody who helped them out, and uh, his family works around them all the time. Anyway, I had hired Jack because of his talent from. Um, from Deuce. He was flying those Duke cars all over the place, into buildings, doing them upside down. And uh, I had the opportunity from a wonderful man by the name of Glenn A. Larson, who was uh, the creator and executive producer of Knight Rider. He said, Bob, um, I was I was doing, I think I was doing Knight Rider at the, uh, no, Fall Guy at the time. He said, Bob, I, I need to send you over to Universal. You're going to be all alone. Uh, we were working at Fox at that time. He said, I want you to bring Jack Gill. I don't know. He didn't say that. I want you to go over there. I want you to take over Night Rider. I want you to do all that wild stuff you've done for me in the first season of Fall Guy and make that a hit. I always remember, I said, you bet, I'll do it. And uh, I went over and saw that there's some good things to do, went out and looked around and found some great cities, uh, locations and some terrific locations out in the desert. And I made that pilot episode tonight, writer, to the best of my knowledge, one of the best things I've ever created. Uh, I had the late Buzz Bundy come over and ski your car, which is putting a car up on two wheels. You probably know what that is. And driving around in circles. And I had, I had Jack come in. I had a wonderful stuntman by the name of Mickey Gilbert, who I used to work with on, on, fall guy come over and i found i found some railroad tracks uh out in the desert occasionally uh, a train would come and we set up the ramps which i, w- I won't tell you what they were because i don't want anyone driving or building ramps and, and setting up cars like we did back then but uh, we did a really neat stunt where i had 
I had Jack jump jump to car parallel to the train tracks and fly over to the other side. I had Nikki jump to car and crash the nose first, or maybe it was vice versa. <clears throat> Forty years ago, guys. And uh, good memory. It was. Well, it's still. Oh, I don't want. I don't want to sell any products. <laughs> <laughs> good memory, you say. Well, you've probably seen this commercial on television for a long time, right? Da 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 da. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, oh yeah, you don't want that on, do you? <laughs> anyway, okay. But bottom line, uh, we did some great stuff, uh, and we became close. Buzz Bundy and Mickey Gilbert and Jack Gill and his his uh, brother Andy, who's been highly successful with uh, Spiro Rosatis and doing projects and all over the world and. In fact, Buzz and 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 Spiro, Buzz brought Spiro onto the a, a Night Rider episode where we're in a prison and Spiro, Spiro jumped or climbed up uh, the fence to go in and out. It was really neat. So I just here's what I used to say. It's still my motto. I never went to work. I went to play. That was my life. I'm blessed. And uh, I tried to help a lot of young kids. Very, very part of my heart was I would get all these kids coming in with new names. And I get a thousand pictures. I had a stack this this high, probably something like that, give or take. And I finally had the opportunity to look through pictures and take people's names and, and call them up and say, hey, come on in. I'll give you a shot. What can you do? Show me what you could do. So at first I set up a, a few mats outside uh, outside the offices where we were working. Uh, a lovely some man by the name of Lane Levitt. Do you know Lane? No. He is incredible. He he was a trial a trials rider, a motorcycle rider, and uh, I had him come. And uh, his wife is Debbie Evans, and she drives cards all over the place. Anyway, I had him draw. I, I rigged a, a setup where there was an 18-inch extension to a four-inch rail where these were in, wherever Lane could just put that bike up and control it all the way across. Wow. And then uh, uh, it was a 300-foot bridge at the time out of Indian Dunes. And then I, uh, I, I had to have a, a Colt. Was it Colt? Jesus, no. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but we did some wild, crazy rigging, which we're not be allowed to do today because of the FAA, uh, hanging motorcycles off the side of helicopters, having a man on the other side of me on that, on that motorcycle, waiting, waiting the, uh, the helicopter. So if I leaned out too far or wanted to turn, the other guy would counter it or we'd get together and we'd get signals from Chuck Tamboro, our pilot, by going, on the seat, and we were safe. Wow! And we flew. I mean, I actually was a pack of motorcycles and took off, went away into the sky. Night Rider was probably a show that I really, really enjoyed doing because it started me on my directing career. I was just a coordinator on it for about a year and a half. I came up with all the wild stuff. For some reason, my brain would see how to rig things safely without the use of your green screen over there and make things happen for real. I never used green screen in the first season on, on Night Rider. Everything is yours for real. In fact, I was noted for real. I think it was an episode of Riptide. Riptide. I did, uh, I had a, a, the late Alan Gibbs driving a, a, a single single box semi, and he said, "Bob, I got a great idea. I can put a semi up on two wheels. Every time, the same time." So we went out to the to the ranch. We we got the stuff, and now I'm I'm away from Night Rider, but a lot of it has to do with what I learned on Night Rider. So he he put up uh, this truck on two wheels, so you know you know it would be straight. Just as if you're going down the road like that, and he, was a, he was able to make a turn and put the truck like that, the back end of the truck. And um, I'm saying to myself, wow, what a great stunt. 
you want to use it, Bob? Alan, the great late Alan Group said, yeah, I want to use it, but I want to put my hero on top. And yeah. I want him to roll off of it and grab onto the top. And, and, and I'll, we can chain him because I'll, I'll build a, uh, a complete railing around the top of the truck like, like there's other stuff there. And it's, it would be like a second way to be a roof rack. Right. And I did that. And after Alan did it four or five times, so Jam was happy with it. We did it. Go look at it. It's an episode of Riptide. I don't remember what it's called, but it's one of the greatest stunts I ever raised. And uh, he puts a cup on two wheels and flies over the side of the truck, and he's handing on. And the whole series worked through that in terms of the sequence work. I'm talking Riptide. Now let's talk Night Rider. You ask the questions, <laughs> and I'll answer. I got. I got to ask you how how many cars did you go through? You you wrecked a lot of them. <laughs> Interesting. Harker Wade, who was uh, one of the unit managers uh, on uh, at Universal in the garage, um, he uh, he got us thirteen cars that were wrecked, and they were flooded up in Michigan when we uh, they were the Pontiacs. And they sent them to the studio. They didn't cost us anything. I, I came and I looked at every one of them, and we put roll cages in, and we designed a couple for Buzz Bundy so we could ski the car whenever we needed it. We didn't have to pay for the rigging per episode. Budgeting was always a, a problem. Oh, how much you spending? Oh, can't do that. And But Glenn said to me, I'll find a way. I don't care if I go over budget. we got we got to have you get this stuff different. Than, I, I want to see stuff that, that that no people people haven't seen before so yeah i'm all ready to go for it and i did it you ask me more questions please absolutely <laughs> um so so most of the times when you see like a clip from knight rider online it's always the stunts i mean this obviously you made the show you made the pilot uh there's never like a clip of you know michael knight you know romancing a lady it's always a stunt you know <laughs> uh ski mode or what, what was your favorite uh accomplishment stunt wise on on uh, actually on night rider where you where you saw it on film and you said ah that was great oh my god i i loved every stunt i did and, and if there was anything really crazy on night rider i had a i had kit uh being faced off by two bad guys and uh he said, Michael, hold on. And I had two cars heading right at Michael. And both these cars hit pipe ramps that were hidden. And it looked like Kit hit them and they flipped over. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that was one of my favorite setups. And no, no, no one got hurt. And, uh, and it's pretty exciting for me. And but, but I wanted to tell you that if you watched White Lion Fever, mm -hmm. um, I had told Jack Gill had approached me and said, you know, I really want to be the stunt coordinator on the show. And I said, you know, I really like to direct a few episodes on the show. Well, well, Jack became very close with David Hasselhoff. And um, he said, Bob, I'll make you a trade. David said, I'll get you four episodes. And I got to have it in writing. He said, Bob, I promise you I'll keep my word. I just take this. I, I start to coordinate starting next season. We had done 35 episodes in a row, which is a season and a half. And uh, yeah, I said, it's a, good, it's a deal, Jack. And we, we did this. Mm -hmm. And that's about how we lived uh, on our word. And uh, meanwhile, I put a call into Glenn Larson and, and I, I said, I'm available. Uh, I'm going to be directing four episodes. Um, David's going to ask for me. And I know, he said, I'll, you can have four episodes tonight, right? Where you going? He was such a great second unit director. I'm sure you can handle the first unit directly. So the first unit episode I had to direct for Knight Rider was White Line Fever. And, and there weren't a lot of great stunts in White Line Fever, but there are a lot of fantastic people scenes. And that really helped me get other scenes. Uh, Sal Landry, I remember him was a bad guy, and he just the dialogue. I just, to me, that show 
I had a shot, first time ever done on the show, where David sat on the hood of the car, and I put the car, the camera inside uh, the car, right in the, in the driver's seat, and you could see Kit talking. You know how when Kit talked, the red light blinked. So when David would talk, uh, Bill Daniels would do the voice of Kit. We had that him looped, and we, we played it back through the through the Kit blinker. And David was actually talking to Bill Daniels at the main camera, my cam- my my setup, my my eyes. And David and Kit were really tied up from David looking at Kit from, and Kit looking at David, rather from David sitting in the seat right. and racing and racing and Kit talking to him. And it was the first time that ever happened. And I got a lot of people who said, that's a truly creative. Yeah, that's, I would say that would be something that kind of... Uh, in a way, he like humanized Kit and made Kit into more of a character than a thing. Because I watched that episode today, and yeah, I agree. I, I, it, it uh, it's like it seemed like one of the episodes where the relationship between him and the car had kind of blossomed, and they'd become like a team. I tried to do that. There are a couple of other scenes that we did. Uh, I remember where, where, where in the very beginning, there were two cars were driving down the road. What, what I did for fun in that thing was I remember my high school days. And I remember the way people used to hang shoes and do dads from the car's uh, window, whatever car you were driving. And I had a whole bunch of 58 race cars, drag race cars set up. And Kit would be driving in, and I, I had him drive. So I, I had him. You saw the episode. I set it up so I would see all of the neat old '57 cars, and Kit driving behind it. And, and to me, and then going into into the whatever the club was, they knocked it down. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but I was just I tried to make every character in that human, and, and that's what I did. And, and and if you even remember that sequence from that episode where some car salesman, a little short man, milk yeah, Overman, what's his name? He's trying to break he's, into the car. He's trying to yeah. break in. And, and yeah, I said to, I, he, he was an, an actor and I've known, I knew him as a, as an actor friend, personal friend. And he says, you're directing that writer. Can you get me a day? Can you get me a line? And I said, <laughs> I got an idea. I, I said, I'll talk to Glenn and see if he'll put the scene in. And he did. And and so he came and he came in and he played it great for me. He played it like <laughs> like the ethnic character that I wanted him to play, and it worked great. And it was, and it was really kind of kind guy. of a callback to the first episode where they had to like throw in that extra scene where the guys try to steal the steel kit because they were short that's on right. time for the pilot. That's right. <laughs> that's right. They, that's right. So I remember there were so me. many. Where, vintage... Where's your adult beverages, guys? Oh, let's Where are cheers. Oh, they're right. They're right. And green screened out. <laughs> there were so many vintage cars in that, and and watching the show, I made a a bunch of notes. That, and one of them was since it was your directorial debut, what's what's kind of like the and the, I hate this Hollywood term. It sounds like, but process. What what's it take to get that many vintage cars that you want? You know, to like fulfill your vision. What's it take to get that those cars and like the cost one involved? Telephone call. And... <laughs> one telephone call. And my... there, that there was guys it. In, that's it. There are guys in town. Well, first of all, the the transportation department reads, reads the the script and sees them, and the prop department reads the script and sees them, and uh, the transportation guy says, "I know guys got about twenty of those vintage cars." Some run, some don't. I'll take you out to the, lot, to the yard and you pick them. So we went out there. There were a bunch of great old stuff. And some were beautiful. I mean, really beautiful. My son, Stephen, today, he he, uh, he has a vintage uh, Camaro, a 67 Camaro. And he, he's restored it. And he, 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 he's, mechan- he's a pretty good mechanic. He's a good driver. And like I told you, he's working lots of shows today. And, you know, today it's different. You work, you got to have your COVID test every day. You're going hold. And then you get to work and you got to go in the morning and get another one of those things up your nose. And <laughs> they're great. And, unfortunately, and a lot of guys, are, 
I think the movie companies are getting uh, first dibs at the, uh, the the vaccination shots, mm-hmm. you know, the MDA shots that are working today. And that's why a lot of the shows are, are still shooting. Big business, you know, corporations, they get the opportunity. But it, it's being distributed very fairly in Hawaii. But getting back to Knight Rider. So getting back to Knight Rider, I was watching a couple of times. There's when uh, Kit is rolling up into the 18-wheeler while it's moving, which is always one of the yeah, things that, that amazed me. Yeah. And, and then so you were the driver? Oh, he, was the, he the driver, made it happen. Yeah. Uh, all right I well I, I did that, it. that's I did, the... what that one time i did it i took off the uh i came in a little tight and knocked off the uh side mirror but most <laughs> of the time i did it pretty good edit uh, that out that was at night so i didn't have my glasses on properly so they couldn't see it but anyway i always make excuses up but yeah um jack and i laid that out together because usually it would have to go out as well as come in right so uh, and then on the set, I, I, I set up shots where we would actually drive up into into the truck, which was on the sound stage, mm-hmm. and we, we green screened the side so it would look like we were on the highway. But I, I had David be able to just ride up on the ramp and take it in, which was another thing that I loved to do was to have the actors do as much things that he, they could do safely. Dave, David drove a lot, didn't he, during the series? He's very good, David. Mm-hmm. David could pitch a 90 as good as anyone I know. And and, and he was very game. And um, he's a a talented man. He still is. I mean, you know, he does, he does his stuff. But I think he still plays a Knight Rider bit or something like that. I'm one of the kids. Well, my my question is when the Please ask. When the car gets into the back of the 18-wheeler, you know, the car just kind of barely fits in there. And then he gets out, and it's like he can swing the doors open as wide as he wants, and there's like 15 feet on either side of the car when they're filming, and they've got all this equipment in there. Suspension it's almost like a TARDIS. <laughs> it's like a TARDIS from from Doctor Who inside. You know what? That's a great catch. Thank you so uh, much. Okay. I, went, I went to the uh, executive producer at the time and said to him, I broke – a side view mirror driving the car in, and yet the door can open completely all the way. <laughs> well, but you didn't see the other side. We only saw that your side when you went. I said, I'm not going to fight with you, Mr. Senator. I just noticed <laughs> that somewhere, somewhere, some da- one down the line is going to write you a letter, whether you're upstairs and looking down, or whether you're downstairs and looking up, or you're still looking at the tube and you can answer him. It wasn't that way, and I just wanted. And to be the funny fair, thing I is, when I was a kid, I never questioned it. No. Never, when I was a kid watching this, <laughs> never did I ever think anything about it. But rewatching that episode today, I thought, "Hey, wait a minute." Yeah, but but Jimmy, today you, today you have the luxury of of pause and rewind and fast forward. Where, you know, when when the episodes were made, right? It was aired. Oh yeah, that was it. That's true. We're, that we're lucky it. they even kept the tapes. You know, then now we have DVDs <laughs> and stuff, right? Yeah, you, I watched it on NBC.com today. Pick it up on the web. I'm no, sure I can I pick it up on the web. But yeah, I mean, like, like there, are, there are shows from the 60s, 70s that, uh, you know, uh, like Doctor Who lost a whole bunch of episodes because the BBC couldn't afford tape. They just recorded Take stuff over. over their old tapes, right? Yeah, that's right. Now, they're still finding, that? like, episodes of Doctor Who in Uganda, you know, like in a basement <laughs> somewhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I... I, I would like to tell you that at around about probably five, six years ago, Paul Casey, who lives in Nevada, came up with this idea, um, Car Stars. And he would, you know who I'm talking about? No. Well, Paul, Paul runs, uh, Paul's a good singer. Car Stars. And he, yeah, he had a, a live show called Car Stars. And he would bring all the people who would build cars, and they were replicas of all the cars from the major shows. So there was a Starscream Hutch, and and, and there was um, uh, Back to the Future, and then there was Knight Rider. And we had a Knight Rider convention, and there must have been 25 kit cars oh, yeah. riding down Las Vegas Boulevard. And it was a trip. 
And I got to sit in the front car with one of the drivers and I actually sat up so I was above the roof and they were announcing who I was and it was a big thrill for me because I'm awesome. behind the scenes, not the actor. And I'm waving to the people and I get down and, and, and I actually talked to a lot, a lot of people afterwards. They asked, they'd come around and I would have pictures and uh, I, w- I would sell or they, I would be able to sell or get as much money as I could for, for the pic- old pictures and stuff from Night Rider and my other shows. And all the money was going to Children's Private Hospital, which was a cancer research hospital in Las Vegas. And I said, guys, I'm not keeping any of this money. Give me what you want. It's going to Paul Casey and it's going to, uh, to the child's hospital because he had a handicapped child. And it was one of the nicest experiences I ever had. You know, he flew me into Las Vegas. I wasn't living in Hawaii at the time, but he flew me into Vegas. And I got to meet so many people and uh, that were different in my life. Nice to meet all you guys, too. And, but I'm just sharing you what Knight Rider brought to me as a person. And one thing led to another. I mean, I, I remember, I remember Jack says, I have a brother. His name is Andy. I've already mentioned him to you. He's a terrific, terrific motorcycle rider, uh, and but I'd like him to get his card, and, and you have the power to do that. So I said, sure, well, we're going up to Arrowhead doing an episode of The Night Rider, and uh, yeah, sure, I, I had Andy come over, and I got him his card, and and then one day on another show I was directing as a result of Night Rider, Andy did one of the wildest stunts I've ever seen. He actually, I wrote, I, I wrote a sequence where there was a truck that was in the way of the car and chasing the motorcycle. And the truck spun out and all the boards fell down and fell in the front, formed the ramp. And Andy must have hit it and flew 50 feet in the air and right over the other truck and right in front of the, the what he was trying to stop. And wow, it worked. He didn't get hurt. And I was so thrilled that, that you know, Jack told me to give him a shot and I did. That's what I personally did a lot of. I, I, I knew people would come to me and I would help them. But there were times I needed a lot of help. Uh, there's a shot on night right over bed. This is a funny one. I don't remember the episode, but we were out in Monrovia, California. I don't know if you're aware of Monrovia. It's narrow streets, very quaint, and it has alleys that cross the streets. So okay. if this is an alley and it's going down the like this, this street, the wide street is this way. I hope I, it's hard to see with my hand. I'm looking at myself reserve, reverse. But I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, it was a good 60 feet across the street. It was a, it was a four-lane street. And I wanted to have four cars, on two, two cars in each lane opposing each other. And we're in, in this alley, which is tiny, and I wanted Jack to fly over those cars and land on the other side. And I remember he set it up a certain way, and um, I looked at it and I said, I don't know, I think we need to put an apple box another 12 inches on, on underneath the ramp to get it up. And um, I did it. I didn't tell Jack, I just did it, because I was placing other cameras if you see that shot on the show, I don't remember the name of the episode, but and it was, it was a second unit too. Uh, and I don't think I know I didn't direct it, but it was. I put a camera in, inside of a flower shop that was facing the alley. It was a okay. corner of the alley, so that way you'll remember it. And, and, and he, Jack, hit that about 50, 55 miles an hour, flew over all the, the cars that were underneath. And he came to me, he said, I really didn't need the apple box. I said, Jack, maybe you didn't, but I saw it that way and I wanted to make sure you were safe. And he said, okay, but it sure hurt. <laughs> <Don't let laughs> I said, I apologize. What would you like me to do? Get you some, uh, uh, a whoopee cushion for the next time? He said, yeah, that'd be great. So, <laughs> you know, we all had our bumps and grinds and we hurt a little bit, but I'm living in Hawaii. and i've been retired for 20 years so after after watching so many knight rider videos for the last two days i've got a lot of recommended videos and a bunch of them that came up 
were about the Dukes of Hazard for some reason. So uh, I saw where John Schneider did a video talking about uh, the cameraman who died filming uh, some some portion of one of the I shows. I remember that day. I okay. You know what? Day. We're, we're going to hold it right there. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to tease this story. We'll talk about it. And I know, Bob, you've got a lot more stories to tell us that have nothing to do with Knight Rider. So let's take a quick break, everyone. Refreshing your drinks. And we'll be right back. There you go. There you go. There we go. And Just we're back. <laughs> Boom. <How's that>? Nice. <laughs> Mr. Bob. <laughs> Bob Bralver. We're back with Bob Bralver here in a second part. Guys, you know, now now that we're like I'm wearing my skip ad shirt today. Now that we're going commercial free and totally uh, Bob, by the way, we're going totally what we call value for value. We're, we're no longer going to play any ads on uh, book guys. And that way we are free to speak our minds we don't have i the, like that idea yeah uh, i mean we're, we're stealing the idea from uh adam curry and no agenda show but uh i think that's the way we're going now so but the question is guys what the hell am i going to play during that break we're gonna have to play like <laughs> something <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll figure it out bob okay but, if so you let, have let something you that you want played during the break email paul and that's he right. will play it. that's right paul at starshipalves.com uh, Bob, uh, so sorry, Jimmy, ask the question again, just so our, our folks can, you know. All right, Bob, I was, uh, I've been watching all these videos from Knight Rider for the past couple of days, doing my due diligence for this interview with you. And thanks so much for coming. Um, and then I got a bunch of suggested videos that came up on YouTube and one of them, a bunch of them were about Dukes of Hazard, and one of them I'd never seen, and it was John Schneider talking about the incident, he called it, and uh, I didn't know what it was, and I watched it, and it turns out that um, there was a cameraman on, like, this giant F-150 truck with, with rigs and stuff on top and the front and the back and all these huge cameras, you know, something that they probably could do today with a drone. Called an insert car. Okay. Called an insert car. And, and one of the cameramen died. You know, they were running around on all these little dirt operator. roads in Georgia. The and he operator. said, you know, it kind of changed everything. So that was like in 1980 or 81. And then you're directing your first, um, you know, TV show just a year or two later. But you were already in the, in the business. So what kind of things changed? How did... How did that affect the industry from your standpoint as a director? Well, I, I remember specifically having talked to Jack Deal, who I used a lot, but also worked a lot on the Deuce of Hazard. And I remember specifically it had rained the night before and they would they would take this very heavy truck and they, they put all the equipment on it and they'd have a whole bunch of people sitting on the truck. There could have been 10 to 12 people at the truck, a script supervisor, uh, um, a, someone who took the notes, uh, also what the sound operator. So they make sure that the sound was clear, uh, two or three cameras running at different places and set up on the truck, an assistant director, the director, uh, and in some cases wore hair and makeup because they'd stop out in the middle and do hair and makeup. And when this accident happened and, and, and they were running sideways and they were running on the side of a riverbank. And what happened was uh, a side of the riverbank gave way because it was still wet and the car, the truck rolled right over and a lot of people got thrown. A lot of people didn't. And this poor cameraman was had was right here and didn't see it or feel it. He was in there. He was he was doing his he job. He was the working. Time. He was yeah. working. And as a result of that death, uh, there was several meetings that happened as a result. And we actually did in the Stunt and Safety Committee 
No more than six people or seven people where they waver on an insert car while shooting stunts. Now today, you see what's different. Their camera can be right in the front of a car and it's, 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 it's just, I should take you out front. They're shooting, um, they're shooting Magnum today uh, in front of the house and around the corner. And they have one of these multiple extension uh, camera rigs that the camera will go, it can go 60, 70 feet into the air or right that and come back that fast. And there's drones. If you want to do some wild stuff with drones, right. there are drone operators can put a drone on your nose and you'd be fine. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing what's out there. And uh, then you got a lot of directors who, are, who I'll remember one, one time. I, uh, anyway, that's what happened to answer your question as a result of that particular instance. And I hope I was able to clear that up. Do you guys have any questions about that? Not about that, but I want to know if you ever met Hal Needham. I did. Hal Needham was an exceptional stunt person. Uh, I was never close with Hal. He was in a group called Stunts Unlimited, who have such a talented group. And I, I had joined a group that the late Alan Gibbs, the guy I told you about, drove the truck for, uh, called, started called International Stuntman's Association. I only stayed in it a short time. But basically, you were in, in a group to keep your group working and to keep getting jobs. Because if you had a connection with a director or a producer that worked, um, whatever a show may be at Universal, then your guys, you'd be bringing in your guys all the time. Right. And that's what way way things work. I think there's a, a thing called X Brand, which is a terrific. I don't know of a bad group. They're all good actors. And then what what was what uh, what happened way back then that there became the Black Stuntman's Association. And there was a Stuntman's uh, Association basically of black men. And and the problem that I saw with that was that there were already terrific black stuntmen. Uh, in the other groups. And it was a group of black stuntmen who wanted to get together to show that they're still there, that they could work. Well, it's the first time I ever felt like there was division amongst the people. And I, I was really sad about that because that's not where I come from. Like, give me a black stuntman, a yellow stuntman, a pink stuntman. If he can work, I'll, I'll find him a job. But if he lies to me, I'll never work him again. And I'll also say, this man did a terrible job for me, but I would never say because or never say that he was. You know, you know what I'm leading to? Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I, I judge a person about what he does for me and how he helps me do really great. There's a great stunt woman by the name of Lori Fiermonti who's retired a long time. She made me so much money turning over cars and doing stunts for me. <laughs> and I, once you once you retired, I said, you know, I you made me a ton of money, and I don't know how to thank you. And she said, <laughs> more money. Just say thank you. <laughs> just say thank you. No, no, she never said that. But I did help her. Uh, I, I know what she. I remember she built a, a log cabin, and she wanted some advice about some stuff. And and I just go out there a few times, and say my piece, and. Uh, and, and go away because I don't think what I said was very smart. But anyway, <laughs> she made a lot of money. She finally sold it, and uh, I think she made a couple of million dollars. And so I think she bought it for. Uh, I remember when everything was delivered to her street at down at the bottom of the Panger Canyon, and they had a parade bringing up all the logs to build her cabin. That was a trip. It really was. But movie wise, you know, my career. It, it, it got really good. I got lucky. I I wrote a feature, which I had Mark Hamill star in Midnight Ride, uh, which we shot all at night uh, <laughs> up in Pismo Beach. And uh, it was fun working with movie stars. I mean, Mark Hamill, uh, Michael Dudikoff was never big, but he was under contract at Canon. But Robert Mitchum. And we picked up a few more along the way. And, and that was my first one. And then I did... I did some of the junk just because I wasn't working and I got paid. And I went to South Africa with a with a, a lot Peter Locke and 
uh, on, on a, a show called Sweating Bullets, which was so much fun for me because I, I got to uh, I got to direct four episodes and, and do all of the second unit. But then what was most fun was I got to edit my own film, and that was great. And uh, you don't get to do that when you're in you don't get your final cut when you're directing in Hollywood, especially in television, and lots of times in features, unless you're just really a powerhouse director. But I so, was never a powerhouse director. I was a run-of-the-mill average guy. That, well, I was honored by Dale Weston and, and one of his things as a legendary stunt coordinator. Um, Dale owns a, a franchise of movie festivals, and this one was the Action on Film Festival. Tons of great action director, writer, guys like myself, Jeff Wolf, and have done some films, and Craig Baskley, and other names that I really respect, uh, have all branched out. In fact, my neighbor, just uh, uh, Paul Albanese, I think his, his name is. What's his name? Houston, Paul Albanese. Okay, because this is Paul Alves. All right, no, it's not, not me, not me. <laughs> Uh, he, he doubled um, uh, uh, bro, come on. Hawaii Five-0. He was a star of Five-0. And, and he was a stuntman. He was a great stuntman. But he was on it for 10 years. And we had a, a recently in Hawaii uh, a, a scare. We had a missile scare. Yeah. Um, this is not yeah. a drill. And it came across. And, and, and he wrote a film called 38 Minutes that he directed. And he got all, all the brothers around him. It's a wonderful film, and it's won awards from a number of things. They've been showing it on the air. I just want to say that a lot of the stunt people have ideas of being a director, and that would be a goal for them to reach one day. And a lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of directors will be, uh, excuse me, They'll go around Hollywood with one of these under their arm. Right, they always got their that's, script with them, yeah. Is that a treatment right. or a script? And, that's correct. And, and <laughs> we'd have it just in case we got really close with a star, and we'd say, <laughs> hey, man, like, Check this when out. you get some time, <laughs> this is perfect for you. I'd like you to read it. <laughs> I'm not the only guy that did that. I don't imagine. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> So no, after, after you finished up with Knight Rider, go ahead. Come on, after you finished up with Knight Rider, you know you you directed your uh, was it eight episodes? Four, 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 four episodes. Four Thank you. Knight That's Rider my fact checker. Seven of Riptide. <laughs> okay, so um, after after Knight Rider, you you say you you did some some movie work after that? Actually. Uh, after Night Rider, I was looking for a job because you know, I finish up and it takes you three weeks to do a show, and then you, what am I going to do now as a as a stuntman? You're you're always looking at locations and you're ready to run and hop jump and, and, and you've got another script in your hand. You got a script in the past that you're going to go at it. You got a script that you're shooting and you got a script that you're going to be preparing for. So my time was like, whoa, what am I going to do? So I called one of my friends. Tom Bloomquist. Yeah, that'd be the one. <laughs> it was over. So I was. I was. Gonna be sure. I was not going to leave his name out. But let me tell you about Tom. Tom is one of the nicest guys I've ever known. Tom's the guy that hooked us up together. Tom's a big, uh, a big new friend of mine. Uh, we met at a No Agenda meetup, and and I was telling we were doing a podcast about Night Rider. I was telling it to another person there. And this person says, hey, uh, it was Dame Jennifer. Dame Jennifer goes, you need to go over here and talk to Tom. Tom knows a guy who was like stunt coordinator on Night Rider. And I just told my wife, I say, hey, hold on. Sh sh wait a minute. I'll, I'll be right back. And I was gone for like a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we got so you. Long. He's been such a gentleman and a very talented man. He produced, uh, I think, the Swamp Thing after Night Rider. And, and he did some movies. uh, uh I forget the show. Maybe it was a Canadian show, but he, he he's up here. Yes. Always a member of the Writers Guild of America, as as am I. And uh, just a wonderful, warm person from the heart. And uh, he called me and said, 
you mind talking to these guys? I said, Tom, if they're your fans, I don't mind calling. Just make sure that they say your name first because I don't <laughs> answer phones where I don't know the people anymore. Because I yeah, got he, he definitely once, said that. And I went through shit you wouldn't believe. I went through stuff you wouldn't believe. <laughs> He told me he says if he says when you email him, make sure the subject line said Tom Bloomquist's friend, and he'll get it back to you. Well, that's the truth. And there it was. Yeah. You called me. You called me back. I had just got done shopping at Walmart, and I'm in the I'm in the parking lot. And, you know, I'm looking at this phone call coming from out west, and I think, oh my goodness, this is like uh, I'm going to pick it up. I know they're going to say we've been trying to reach you about your car warranty, but no. Uh, I picked it up, and, and lo and behold, it's the guy I've been waiting to hear from. I'm glad I was able to do it. Uh, I usually wouldn't do stuff like this, but I'm sitting here, COVID. Yeah, we're all going COVID mad <laughs> with nothing to do at home. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's COVID forever. terribly depressing. It really is. Uh, oh, Green Bay's picking Los Angeles. Is 32-18. I got, a, I got a question for you. Uh, we, we recently spoke with uh, Stu Phillips, who did uh, the scoring on a lot of the shows you worked uh, on. We had a, for Glenn, uh, yeah. We had a blast uh, uh, chatting with him as well. Um, is, there, is there a big difference well, like when you're doing like a Knight Rider, which is more of a reality-based show with cars and stuff, and then when you're doing science fiction where like the stunt men have to wear like you know crap on their face or you know robot suits you know the impaired vision you know is there a big difference i i have to tell you that the stuntmen today are training when they're not working in gyms almost every day i've seen guys do stuff that i never saw during my period as a stunt coordinator uh so talented they'll, they'll do backflips double flips women can they're just what you see on the screen is for real in terms of what they do. What you see with them getting kicked in the head and flying back 50 feet, they're on a harness and a cable and a pole or, or a ratchet. And that's all because of the green screen. And, and it's all, they, they can take the cables out and you never see them. And it makes the movie magic incredible. And then it makes the movie magic. Oh, really? And that's my question as where is the reality and where is the, does it end? But the superhero in the movies today makes money like, whoa, hand over hand. Yeah. <laughs> give me the cash. Uh, yeah. But bottom line, um, I've really enjoyed my career. I consider myself, as Lou Gehrig said, one of the luckiest men on the face of the earth. Um, I consider the business a special place um, because you take with it um, your your heart and soul and, and, and you have to live it with passion to be successful because you just can't go to work every day. And, and that's kind of the way life is. And, and, and you know, I'm going to, uh, what happened? I pressed the wrong button. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're all right. Okay. No, you're good. No, you're good. You're good. We I'm can good. still see you. We can hear you. We can see you from the uh, nose yeah, down. I, there you I are. I wanted to show you. Okay, can you see behind me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't have a, I don't have a, a hero wall. I just have a, a house that I tried with my wife to make comfortable and warm for us, so that the kids, who live on the mainland, could come here and enjoy. Uh, enjoy our home and be at the pool or be in the ocean or go ride a kite like they read in Hawaii, remember, and just, just enjoy life. Um, I, I'm so blessed. I'm so lucky. Blessed. Uh, to be alive. I went through a very serious cancer 15 years ago. That's why I stopped drinking alcohol, alcoholic beverages and uh, and coffee and chocolate right here. And I didn't have any surgery. It was chemo and radiation. And doctors back then uh, were amazing. Actually, the doctor was a very dear friend 
of one of the producers I worked for for almost 15 years and saved my life. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. And seven years ago, I, I start to do something and I'm feeling really weird in my heart. And I'm one of the blessed guys out in the world that have to live with AFib. And, mm. But I'm okay. It's not going to kill me. I know that. It's just I have to manage it so it's best for me. And, and I'm really lucky to still be alive. I'm really lucky to have just have my 80th birthday and buy a car, my own kid. It's amazing. Uh, Silent I mean, mode. <laughs> definitely. It'll run on silent mode. In fact, in fact, they've just made him, when you back up, put in a, a so people can hear you backing up. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about uh, Mr. Uh, Elon Musk. Yes. And his, 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 his genius. He's one of the smartest men in the world. And yes, we all agree with him. And I'll tell you, the driving that car is, could, kid could not keep up with this car. <laughs> no, I couldn't. Do no. That. I, uh, yeah. I don't know. I had a kit, uh, big wheels as a kid. Yeah. I don't think there's a smoother ride than plastic wheels on cement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we Bob, did a show on big wheels. Wasn't it was not a night rider? <laughs> we had to be truck. Oh, we, we <laughs> didn't talk about Goliath. That's going to have to be for right. show. Well, that'll be for our next show. Well, that, <laughs> you know, it's it's been a blast, Bob. I'm sure you have things to do. You've got a football game to watch. You've got uh, wonderful Hawaii all around you. You're not freezing to death like we are. Uh, well, I am in, in up in Canada. Uh, we we well, really appreciate where, where your time. You? Where Where are you in Canada? I, I'm in Toronto. To... I'm in downtown Toronto. Toronto. Uh, so I I did some stuff in Toronto. You must remember if you've been there a long time. Uh, we used to do some episodes of Perry Mason would come up there and shoot. Okay. The 80s. One of my greatest stunts I did there. Do you want me to talk about it, or you have to yeah, let's it do it? I mean, uh, you, if you, you got time. You let's were pulling your ear. I thought you know. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, uh, the late Ron Sadlofter was directing an episode of uh, of Perry Mason, um, and in this, show, it was a story about a movie stuntman, and the concept was to turn over a car on its roof, and then tow the car on its roof. And do dialogue while the stuntman was talking to the, um, wow. the, the um, investigator That's for epic. Perry Mason, and and then it would come to a stop where I said I could make it come to a stop, and and I remember I hired hired the late Mike Tillman, who was one of my first hires as a stunt driver, and what they asked me to do was to. You have complete control of the street, Bob. You do whatever you want. Here's the stunt. Turn the car. People get out of the way. Do all the, the nickel and dime stunts. Flip the car in its roof and let it slide as far as it can so I can play dialogue. And when it comes to a stop, we'll have it stop and they'll get out of the car. Well, I got lucky. I really did. Because what happened was, in rigging a car like that, and you know, roll cages would be up to the top. We, I rigged a completely square roller cage. So it, when it hit the top, it wouldn't keep rolling. It would go flat. Right. At least I hope. Yeah, you got it. And then in order to help that, I got car grease. You know, the kind that goes in the wheel. And I greased yep. the entire hood of the car <laughs> so that it would slide. Now, remember in Canada, Paul, it is Paul from Canada. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the streets are, are like this because it snows right. so that the water will run off on the side. Yeah. All our streets so are you curved, can't, yeah. Yeah, so you've got to get that. I had to get that car on, in the middle of the street. Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to go into Be in the gutter. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened that day, but that car got up on its roof and slid all the way to within 20 feet of my long lens camera, probably 300 feet on its roof. Wow. <laughs> and it, it was so wow that Ron Satloff, director, said, the hell with the dialogue. I'm not cutting into that. That's a Picasso. <laughs> no dialogue. Said, yeah, no dialogue. <laughs> they talked to the dialogue. They did the dialogue when it, when it stopped. And they, and they said, 
holy shit. <laughs> and the camera, oper- I was right behind the camera operator there. And I said to him, cool, cool, cool. I'll get you. I'll get you. And he said, as soon as the car stopped and where it stopped, it was pretty close. He said, where's the head? <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine if they had, if they had like, like TiVo or where you could record shows back then, you just weren't watching it live. And then you wouldn't see it again until reruns five years later. That would have been like one of the biggest <laughs> moments where people are like, what? what? Backing that up, let's watch that again. You well, know? It, it, it not only went on its roof, it did a 360 dance around, but stayed on its roof. And <laughs> I was, I, I knew from that day on that when it came to cars, you had a job. <laughs> Mike Motor would call me, and he was That's such right. a wonderful man, and he did. And um, I just, I just have had so many good things happen. And um, my wife was really great. She understood me and understood the business. And, she really was amazing to uh, understand my life and gave me two beautiful children. And I now have two gorgeous grandchildren. And I just hope that I'll be able to see him spend some time with them. And that's my life. Uh, and now she makes person. you, now she makes you protein shakes. Damn straight, Jackson. There you go. My life that's a good lady. Life. Keep me alive. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, some of us are lucky. I look at, I look at people out here that are, that go to work in a restaurant and now have to be outside serving, at least it's Hawaii. And <laughs> it's like, I went to college. I graduated UCLA with a master's degree in kinesiology. And then I went to Cal Strait Northridge and thought I'd be a school teacher and started to work on my doctorate degree. I never finished my dissertation, so I stopped. And I thought maybe I'd get a job as a teacher. And I talked for a while. And why, why did it come to me, a job, an industry where there was so much money to be made? Yeah, and you got big hands. I'm glad you didn't become a massage therapist. I could have been. <laughs> and, and I would say this to you. People like Tom Blomquist, like Stephen J. Cannell, like Glenn Larson, Don Belisario, the great names of the television, Matt Rapp, who was Kojak for me, and, and Telly Savalas, who treated me like unbelievable, and, and Dick Van Dyke and Barry Van Dyke, whose shows I worked with, who treated me like like a son or a brother or a cousin. And, and I was give back to them what I could. And, and I was just so lucky to go to work every day. And when I retired, I didn't work again, except that one. I did a few days out here with Brian Spicer, Who's the exec, was the executive producer of Five O, and now he's doing Magrum, and he's probably within a thousand feet of me as they're doing the shows COVID-wise, and at a great location down the street. But me, I was so fortunate, and uh, thank you, thank you. That's all I can say, and thank you for listening to Tom and giving me the pleasure of talking to you and reliving my life a little. And thank, thank you, you for joining it, it us today. Out. Yes, thank you. It worked out fantastic for everybody. It seems like we're all winning, like Charlie Sheen. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Sheen. Hashtag winning. Charlie Sheen, doubled by Eddie Braun, who designed a rocket to fly across that evil, uh, a a beautiful, uh, the canyon that Evil Knievel couldn't make. Snake River Canyon. Snake. Oh my gosh! If you've got an Evil Knievel story, we've got three (laughs) more minutes. Uh, Well, I got an Eddie Braun story, who's one of the most talented stuntmen in Hollywood, who, who got. I don't remember where he made all his money, but he does so many car turnovers and rat. He's all over the United States doing it, but. He wanted to do an Evil Knievel. He wanted to do what Evil Knievel couldn't. So he put together a team of people, millions of dollars of his own cash to, and he thought he was going to get NBC to, to air it. He'd get some of the money back, but to fly the rocket and make it across to the other side, wow. which he did. But now I think he's going to release it in some film festivals and he may get a couple of shots, mm. but he was, and he still, he comes over here and uh, to Hollywood, works for Eric Norris, who was Chuck Norris's son of me, who is one of the best 
second year director stunt coordinators and he's doing magnum and, and and works a lot for brian spicer who brian spicer who was a pa when i was working on riptide is now one of the most the smartest men i've ever seen work business-wise and directorially right now working and it's only down the street you know i mean it's like <laughs> Wow. You you could show wow. up to a film festival a film festival and just tell people, hey, and just put out your hand and say, Hi, I'm evil can evil and people would be like, Oh my gosh, that don't know he's dead. <laughs> I mean, you could pull it off, man, no doubt. I would never try to do anything that wasn't really me. I'm sorry. Only if it was on trauma, I was playing a character. That's how we do it. <laughs> That's all right. You're on the other side of the camera, that's for sure. Unfortunately, uh, Evil Knievel was only the second greatest uh, TV stuntman. The first was Super Dave. Super Dave, Dave Osborne. <laughs> we love Super Dave Osborne. Huh? My, my daughter loves him. Everybody, he's coming on. It's Super Dave. It's Super Dave. <laughs> We're steeped in stuntmen here. Trip. What's the name of your show? That's the Book Eyes Show. The Book Eyes Show. Yeah, we talk so about I, books I, sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. yes, but <laughs> okay. this is going to be simulcast on Darth Vader's bathroom, the Knight Rider podcast. <laughs> on Darth Vader. Can you send me a copy <laughs> of what it is? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, if you put on a, a DVD, I'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. Or, or little... Yeah, we can do that for you sure. Can... Yeah, for posterity. Absolutely. We'll do that, yeah. Bob. It's been yeah. a pleasure, Bob. <laughs> it has been a pleasure. If you need me for a commercial, I'll stay on. Oh, stick around. We'll make some promos. Thanks for joining us. Okay, Roger that. My pleasure. <laughs> night, night.